Today, we want to continue a series we started on the, under the theme, Pray for the Peace of Jerusalem. We've done this because we believe that we need to be true to the scriptures in helping us to be aware of the times in which we live. And one of the things that I've been impressed with is the misinformation that has been coming across concerning Israel. Now, we're not going to approach this if we have not approached it from a political point of view at all, but from a biblical point of view. What does the Bible have to say about Israel? But of course, we have to address some of the things that we feel needs to be corrected. And we want to continue to ask you to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. As we ended up last time, remember when we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, we're asking for the Lord to come back soon. Because we know that true peace is only going to be experienced by Israel upon the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we are looking today at what I call Israel myth, fact, and prophecy. And we're doing this with an attempt to help us to discern the times in the light of the word. As I emphasized last time, we as believers in Jesus Christ have a unique privilege. Not only can we see what is happening in the world, but because of the word of God and the indwelling Holy Spirit, we can also understand why it is happening. And the unbelievers do not have that privilege. In fact, I believe, as I mentioned last time as well, that's one of the reasons why there's so, mis so much misunderstanding concerning Israel, because a lot of it cannot expl be explained physically or politically. It can only be explained spiritually. We mentioned that last time. So we want to see if we can set the record straight on some of the current events. Let me give you a couple of reminders of what we covered last time. One, Israel is unique chosen people of God through whom he is working out his plan to bless the entire earth in spite of a repeated rebellion against him and the covenants he made with her. Israel is being punished today. That's the only way we can understand some of the things that are happening. She does so much good, but she gets so much blame. She retaliates for, uh, for an attack, and she gets blamed for retaliating. All kinds of things that are going on. Israel is being punished. We also try to bring out the point that not all of Israel is Israel, true Israel. Just mentioned that. In other words, uh, not everything that Israel does over there is good, right, just, or anything. In fact, a lot of it is not. But God's people are still there. The seed of Abraham is still there. The seed of the faithful, the child of promise. Secondly, the misunderstanding relative to Israel is not due to natural causes alone, politics, biases, and so on, but primarily to the spiritual purposes that underline the existence of this unique nation and people, which also explains the underlying reason for the blindness to the obvious. It's spiritual, and it sources spiritual, not material. In other words, as we're going to see today and tonight, tonight we're going to be a little bit more detailed. We're going to have some clips. I really want you to come out this evening if you can. I have two clips especially by two um, Arab or Muslim women. You've never heard women speak out the way these women have. 
Let me come back. You've now heard men speak out the way these women speak out. We'd like for you to come out tonight to hear that. But what I'm saying here, when you look at the facts, when you look at the history, things are so plain as far as Israel and the land is concerned. But yet, the application generally is so contrary to what is clearly spelled out in history. It's just amazing. And unless you see what's happening in the light of the scripture, you'll never be able to understand it. Why people would look at something and say, hey, this is white, but they look at it and say it's black. It's amazing how that happens. And you can, that can only be answered, we believe, because of the spiritual blindness that is upon the people, but also because of the fact that God is still disciplining his people as well. And they are under God's judgment where they will be misunderstood, they will be regarded as the scum of the earth. That's happening. Here's this quote I remind you of by Dr. Reagan. He says, Much has been written about the Middle East crisis from a political perspective, but it will never be understood apart from its spiritual roots, for it is from start to finish a spiritual conflict. We emphasized that when we talked about the sons and the birthright and all of that. It's a spiritual conflict, which is why it will never be settled politically. And it never will be. All of the things we're seeing over there, it'll continue to revolve and go around in cycles, around in circles, until Jesus Christ comes to bring peace. Of course, as we mentioned, we believe from our perspective, not all believers, but from our perspective, we believe that there will be a false peace for a period of time. But it won't last. Lasting peace will not come for Israel until the Prince of Peace comes and is seated in Jerusalem. Now that's a, that's a position we take here and we believe that to be true. We believe the scripture teaches that because of God's unique choice of Israel as a people as well as Canaan as the land, he calls Israel my people, he calls Canaan my land. Chosen people placed in a chosen land because God has a purpose for that land. And we believe that until that land is adjusted properly, meaning that God's people are there in peace, all of the other nations of the world is going to be out of joint. And it's not until peace comes to that land that we're going to have peace around the world. That's how it's worked. We believe Scripture teaches that very, very clearly. And that's why we need to understand what's happening from a biblical perspective. Israel is occupying land belonging to a specific nationality called Palestinians. This is myth one and two, as I put it, because it's joined together here. This is the first one we want to look at today. Israel is occupying land belonging to a specific nationality called Palestinians who have occupied the land before the Jews. Israel, not the Palestinians, are the terrorist aggressors. That's the common concept that is accepted around the world. That is what is publicized in the media. Now let me give you a couple of quotes to show this, to demonstrate this. Let me give you a local one first. And I could give you others, even more current, but this one from Nikki Kelly in 2001 says it more pointedly. 
She says, quote, Israel has consistently violated all agreements and resolutions that could have brought peace to the Middle East. That is a stupid, question, a stupid statement. Because, number one, even if Israel, but not on the scene, wiped out as they want, there will still be war in the Middle East. The Arabs will continue to fight amongst themselves. They've been doing it long before Israel came along. Even while Israel is here, they've been doing it. They kill one another. They fight one another. That's a part of the wild donkey of a man characteristic being worked out on the Ishmael. So that's a stupid question here. But it's only stupid if you understand the scripture. From a political, natural point of view, that makes sense. Now notice, this is what they did. Breaking agreements. By annexing land that rightfully belonged to the Palestinians. Now that is a stupid question. Every uh, uh, statement, every legal document you have will prove that this statement is wrong right here. Rightfully belong to the Palestinians. Now, of course, you've got to define who the Palestinians were. Before 1948, the Palestinians were not just Arabs. They were Jews as well. In fact, for a time, the Palestinians were only Jews. We'll talk about that later on tonight as well. So let me give you a fact here now. God took the land from the Canaanites and gave it to the kingdom of Judah, as Israel, who became the Jews, in the 12th and 13th centuries before Christ. We went through the scriptures last time to show that the whole earth belongs to who? God. He divided up the way he wanted it. He put boundaries all in keeping with where Israel is situated. We saw that from scripture. But he chose a piece of property, a piece of land. Canaan, people were in it. Well, people were there, called Canaanites. But he said, that land is going to belong to my people, my chosen people. And they were supposed to go into that land and do what? Clean them out, occupy it, clean everybody. And they were to take possession of the land. But because we know one of the problems they're facing today, they didn't obey completely. But that was God's purpose there. Canaanites. The land of the Canaanites were to be given over to the people of God. And so thousands of years before the Romans invented Palestina, the land had been known as Canaan. The Canaanites had many tiny city-states, each one at times independent, and at the times a vassal of other Egyptian or Hittite kings. But it was their land. The Canaanites never united into a state. They were never a state or a nation as we know it. After the exodus from Egypt, probably in the 13th century before Christ, perhaps a little earlier, the children of Israel settled into the land of Canaan as a nation. Not just a scattered people, but as a nation. There they formed first a tribal confederation and then the biblical kingdoms of Israel and Judah as we have in the scriptures and the post-biblical kingdom of Judea as we know today. That's going way back. Now what I'm going to do is go quickly through some things to show you how the land has passed down from the time it was given to the Jews from the Canaan, from the Canaanites to now. Now I want, I want to do this in order for you to see 
not just the historical context, but also the biblical. And to show here that Israel alone has title deeds to this land. So we're going to go through it a little quickly. But I want you to, uh, we'll go slow enough so you, could, you can take a look at it. All right? The Babylonians under Nebuchadnezzar took it from the Jews in 586 BC. We're going from, from, uh, we're going from this way back. The Persian under Cyrus took it from the Babylonians in 639. The Greeks under Alexander took it from Persia in 333 BC. The Jews under the Maccabeans took control of the land. Remember the, the, the rebellion by the Maccabees. 168 to 140 BC, the Jews had the property again. But then in 63 BC, the Romans took it from the Jews. In 395, the Byzantines inherited the land from the Romans. In other words, it was not run through battle or anything, but it was just given over. But then in 638, the Arabians took it from Byzantines. And then there was a time of the caliphs, the Muslim, the, the Islam, people coming in and taking over for a period of time. You don't have time to go into all of the details. The first one happened in 661, another inherited control. Then the Turks took it from them in 750. The Crusaders came in 1099, and they took it from the Turks. That's supposed to be King Arthur there. The Ottoman Turks took it from, I'm sorry, the Mamluks took the land from the Kurds in 1187. In 1517, the Ottoman Turks took it over from the Kurds. Then in 1917, the British took it from the Turks. This here is a picture, if it comes up in a moment, of General Alan Allenby uh, coming into Jerusalem. It's one of the most significant events in the history of Israel right there in 1917. But then in 1947, the British mandated it to the Jews. The Jews didn't take it from Britain in the sense of conquering it. They did not take it from the Arabs as is claimed. They received it from the British as a mandate. In 1948, the Jews declared the land of Israel as a legitimate, reborn state of Israel. A reborn state in 1948. That's a, a real picture of the celebration and the announcement was made. That's a quick overview of how the land came down. Now here is what prophecy has to say. Isaiah 66, before she goes into labor, she gives birth. Before the pains come upon her, she delivers a son. Who has ever heard of such a thing? Who's ever seen such a thing? Can a country be born in a day or a nation be brought forth in a moment? Yet, no sooner is Zion in labor than she gives birth to her children. Do I bring to the moment of birth and not give delivery, says the Lord? The delivery came in 1948. According to history, according to fact. The land, biblically, historically, 
legally belongs to Israel. There's no one who can look back at it objectively and say that that is not true. Fulfillment of prophecy occurred in 1948. Almost overnight, the state of Israel was reborn. So here's the conclusion as a fact. As a strictly legal matter, the Jews didn't take Palestine from the Arabs. They took it from the British, who exercised sovereign authority in Palestine over under a League of Nations. That's before the United Nations were called the United Nations. A League of Nations mandate for 30 years prior to Israel's declarations of independence in 1948. And the British don't want it back. You can bet your life. They do not want to be Indian givers here. They do not want to take Israel back. Now, I want you to understand here, what we're doing is trying to show you the biblical roots of what's happening over there, what's happening right now in the Middle East. God is working out his plan. It's been worked out throughout the years. And when Israel became a nation, it was a very significant thing, something that God himself spoke about. Israel is the only nation who has been born again and in such a short time. This pinpoints again the fact that God has his hand on this people in spite of their sin. Listen carefully. Because of the different covenants that God has with Israel, the land belongs to Israel unconditionally. That's their land. No doubt about it. From a biblical, from a biblical point of view. However, their enjoyment of the land, peace in the land, depends upon their obedience to the word of God. The land belongs to them unconditionally, but their enjoyment of that land depends upon their obedience to God. The reason why they were removed from the land in the first place because of rebellion and disobedience, and God scattered them around the face of the earth. God is bringing them back now, as he said he would, in stages, in waves. But his hand of discipline is still upon them. And I believe that's what we see happening over there as a result. God's discipline on his people. Because no matter what they do, they are still scorned by the earth. And that will always be the case until they return to God. And then a difference, as we'll see later, will take place. Let me give you a couple of notable quotes concerning this land. Professor Bernard Lewis in Commentary Magazine said, From the end of the Jewish state in antiquity, antiquity to the beginning of British rule, the area now designated by the name Palestine was not a country and had no frontiers, only administrative boundaries. See, this is an amazing thing. There's no such country or nation as Palestine. Palestine, it never was. You don't have a Palestinian language. You don't have a Palestinian constitution. You do not have a... One of the problems Churchill mentioned some time ago when they were fighting about this old property was saying that one of the problems they had was trying to oversee a nation that was not a nation. You see? But today we always hear about Palestine. And we associated it with a nation of Palestine someplace. And the Jews came in and usurped it. 
And now they are occupying territory that once belonged to the Arabs who live in Palestine. That's false. That's not true at all. That's a myth. But that's what you hear all the time. Then you get, you go to Israel. You get a passport for the United States Embassy. Somewhere you will see Israel as what? And when you go to Jerusalem, occupied territory. It's amazing. Occupied territory. But that's not true historically because the land did not belong to those who claimed that it is this other than the Jewish people. Listen to this quote again. This one is from Joseph Farah, an Arab American. He says, Palestine has never existed as an autonomous entity. There is no language known as Palestinian. There is no distinct Palestinian culture. There has never been a land known as Palestine governed by Palestinians. Palestinians are Arabs, indistinguishable from Judeans, another recent invention, Syrians, Lebanese, Iraqis, etc. It's a myth. What we're hearing about Palestine and Palestinians. It is. But what has happened? You repeat a lie long enough and fervently enough, and you believe it. And unfortunately, the people of God have fallen into this. You see, they've fallen into it. They look at Israel as the occupiers. That's not true. Tonight we're going to trace some things, again, both biblically and historically, and show you that every major war that was started in, with Israel and Arabs was started by the Arabs. They started everyone, and they lost everyone. You see? And every time Israel retaliated, it wasn't the Arabs who were condemned for attacking. It was Israel who was condemned for responding. It's, it's happening right now. I heard one of the most foolish statements made by one of the regular uh, contributors to the Daily Tribune the other day, talking about this. That Israel has no right to go in and to do what is being done right now because they're attacking defenseless people. You see, as an ignorant statement when you know the facts of what's going on over there, the way, for instance, Hezbollah now, how they operate. We have pictures now demonstrating the fact that most of these things that you see on TV, for instance, have been manufactured. You see pictures going in, for instance, where the women and the children are being carried out of these buildings. Have you ever seen one where you have able-bodied men killed? It's always women and children. Always. They have pictures now where they see the men who will find rockets, and you know who are all around them? Women and children. You see. And so we have these situations where someone would come into a building where only women, hospitals, mosques, and they would shoot their rockets. And they would kill. But as soon as anybody retaliates to prevent it from happening again, they blame. Now, I'm not saying that everything Israel does right now. Don't get, I'm just trying to look at the principle of this thing and 
Why is it that Israel has this kind of a opinion from the world? It's because they're being disciplined by God for their disobedience. And no matter what Israel does, she's going to be condemned. People are not going to see it right. It's going to be skewed. Why? Believe it's because of a spiritual blindness that God himself has placed on Israel's enemies. Fact. Palestine belongs to the Jewish or Israel people. They are the rightful and legal owners of the land of Israel. The Muslim Arabs are the aggressors. That's contrary to everything you hear. Now, by the way, we'll clarify a little bit more tonight. Not every Arab is, a, is Muslim or Islam. You know, you know that, don't you? So we're just speaking in generalities here. All right? But we're trying to show you from a biblical and historical point of view the fact that Israel belongs, the land of Israel belongs to the people of Israel. They are not the aggressors. They are not the one who is occupying. In fact, the others want to occupy their land. Tonight we're going to be talking about the myth of the refugees. Do you realize that most of the uh, people who give themselves up to be the bombers and, uh, and the children who are being taught about how to kill Jews and so on, they come from this group they call the refugees, living in no man's land, as it were. Who are these people? How did they get there? The world is saying it's Israel's fault. They are responsible for the refugees. But history and the facts shows you that that is not true. We're going to show tonight that when the nations after Israel declared the independence, the nations decided they were going to attack. They told all of the Arabs in Israel at that time to leave the country. Why? Because we're coming in and we're going to wipe Israel out. We're going to annihilate them. We do not want you to be caught in it. So I want you all get out of the country. And so we had a crisscrossing. All the Jews and Arab country was forced out. Where did they go? To Israel. Where did the Arabs who asked to leave Israel? Israel didn't tell them to leave. But the own people told them to leave. They went where? They went into no man's land, as it were. You know why? Because the Arab countries refused to take their own people. They could have easily assimilated the 850,000 Arabs who came. They could have easily assimilated into their countries. 21 nations. They could have easily assimilated, no problem. But they didn't. They left them there for what purpose? So that Israel could be blamed for causing these people to be without a home. We'll see that tonight. You see. So who's really to blame for this refugee situation? The Arabs. Not the Jews. But amazingly, these 850,000 have now grown to almost 4 million. It's amazing what's happening. And so the land of Palestine, Palestine and the people of Palestine are in reality a myth. 
along the lines of the sunken city of Atlantis and an Atlantean people. That's my conclusion. How many believe in Atlantis? That's Palestine. How many of you believe that it's an Aladdin people? That's Palestinians. When you look at it biblically, historically, and legally. Here's the prophecy. Jeremiah 62. This looks forward to the time when Israel would be in a land of peace. Would be a land of peace. After the discipline is taken care of and God's purpose is worked out for the world, I emphasize again, what God is doing in Israel is the basis for what he's doing around the world. And once Israel is adjusted properly, every other country, every nature is going to be adjusted likewise. All right? So what we're looking at here is not only what's going to happen to Israel, but worldwide as well. Jerusalem, I will speak up for your good. I will never be silent till you are safe and secure. Sparkling like a flame. Aren't they beautiful words? This is God speaking now about his people who are suffering so much. God's people who are scattered all over. And we're going to be talking how they're coming back and the different waves that are coming back and, 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 and whatnot. It's already started, but you haven't seen anything yet. But these people are suffering. Now, as we mentioned last night, so are the Arab people, mind it. People are the sons of Ishmael as well. God has also promised to bless them. And he will, but only to Israel. That is, to Israel's being at peace, you see. He promised to make Ishmael a great nation, and he has. 21, 22 countries now. 30 million people. All from Ishmael. God has kept his promise to Ishmael. And he will keep his promise to Isaac as well. He says, Jerusalem, I will speak up for your good. This is God now. This is the one who created this nation, who chose them, although we're the smallest nation in the world. And gave him this postage-sized stamp. Piece of land. That's what it is. Israel's like a little postage stamp on a long envelope. And the envelope has been trying to get the stamp inside to envelop them for years. It can't do it. It's amazing. Why? God is the one who chose them. God is the one who's keeping them, even though he's disciplining them in the meantime. I will never be silent till you are safe and secure. This is the reason why there's inner motivation in the people of Israel to fight on no matter what. Because no matter how so many of them are atheists and don't even believe in God, there are many who are true. And they believe God's promise that they will be delivered. They do. They do. You'll be secure, sparkling like a flame. Look at verse 2 now. Your great victory will be seen by every nation and king. And you'll see this again and again. God always has Israel in the center when they talk about the nations of the world. God's focus is never on the nations. It's always on Israel. It's only how the nations impact Israel that he talks with them. Israel is always the center of his vision. Your great victory will be seen by every nation and king. The Lord will even give you a new name. Interesting. A new name. You will be a glorious crown, a royal headband for the Lord your God. 
That's the true seed of Abraham. That's true Israel. They're going to be an ornament and a glory to God. Right now, they're not. But God says, you will listen to this now. Your name will no longer be deserted and childless, but happily married. We had a great wedding yesterday. That was a beautiful wedding, wasn't it? Amen. That was a beautiful wedding. Happily married. Jennifer and Michelle. They're a beautiful couple. They are a beautiful couple. Radiant. Rejoicing. God says, that's how Israel is going to be in a coming day. You look at it now, you say, no way. I say, yes way. Because God is going to make it happen. Same way he made a nation in a day. He's going to bring priests. Peace when there's no peace. They're talking about peace over there. You know, some time ago, God it was during the time of Churchill again, one person said that this world, the war was supposed to be a war that ends all wars. Remember that? Some wise acre said now, what they're trying to broker over there is a peace that will end all peace. Think about it. A peace that will end all these. You think just by removing Israel out of the scene, things are going to change? No, it will not. They've been killing themselves throughout the centuries. They will continue to do so until Jesus Christ comes. You see. Notice what he says. Happily married. You will please the Lord. Your country will be his bride. Did you get that? This is Israel now. We talk about the church. We talked about that yesterday. And looking for that beautiful time when the church will finally become the bride of Christ. By the way, we're not the bride of Christ now. You know that, eh? Right? How many of you think you're the bride of Christ? Not yet. We espoused. All right? But it's coming a day when we'll be married. But now God says that land is his bride. God. This land. This land that everybody wants. This little piece of land. 6,000 square miles or 8,000 square miles. This little piece of thing. God says, that's my bride. Somebody has an idea. I don't know how true this is. Maybe Pastor Ed could get me straight on this. He says that the new Jerusalem will come down to earth. And the size is such that it will fit perfectly over present Jerusalem. That's why the new Jerusalem will be on earth. Is that true? You don't think so? <laughs> but you see what they're looking at here. Why I mention that is this. Jerusalem was seen in the book of Revelation as what? A bride adorned for a husband. A bride adorned for a husband. People say that's the new Jerusalem is the bride. And working with one of our students in theology is trying to say that the church wasn't. But I believe now that Jerusalem is a bride, but not the bride of Christ. Is the bride of God, symbolically, pictorially speaking. Your country will be his bride. Your people will take the land. You see this? Talking to the prophet. Your people will take the land. 
just as a young man takes his bride. You should have seen the beam on Michelot's face. I mean, I stood right here. And there was this beautiful Jen. She was radiant. I mean, she was beautiful. And there's Michelot. Michelot looking at, I mean, that was a grin on this man's face. You know, they say that women, when they're pregnant, they grow. They glow. I mean, they glow. Not they grow. They grow, I'm sure. But I mean, they glow and they grow. Right? They glow. Well, listen, he was glowing. He was taking his bride at that moment. And he was full of joy and happiness. And it caused him to glow. That's what God says here. You will take this land just as a young man take a bride. What land? This 8,000, well, it's going to be a little bit more. We'll see. In fact, we don't have it there. You'll see the borders that were given. You'll see that. This is the land that Israel will take. The people will take with joy and with pride. The Lord will be pleased because of you. Just as a husband is pleased with his bride. He's talking about the land. That land all torn up now. With all kinds of rockets and shells and everything else. Polluted. But the Lord will dress and clean that land up. And make it to be, to have the appearance of a bride on a wedding day. Beautiful, isn't it? That's what Israel has to look forward to. And God has made a covenant that this will in fact occur. And it will. Now we have fighting against people. Against people, nation against nation. Brothers against brothers. That's what's happening over there. But there's coming a time God says, The wolf and the lamb will graze together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox, and dust will be the serpent's food. No change. They will do no evil or harm in my mountain. That's peace. Real peace. Lasting peace. Not only are the animals going to be at peace, but people will know war no more. And it's all going to be done because God is working out his plan and his people in his land. He calls them my people. He calls them my land. And that land is his bride. Now tonight we're going to look in some more details of this and talk about, as I said, the refugee problem and everything else. But I want you as believers to understand that we do not need to be nonplussed and perplexed the way that the media and all the reporters are. We can know the truth. We do not only can see what is happening, but through the word of God, through diligent study and prayerful Depending upon the illumination of the Spirit of God, we can understand why it is happening. And when we understand it, we will not be filled with doom and gloom, but rather with joy and anticipation of that glorious moment 
when the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, will come and peace will fill this earth forevermore. Sila, think and act on these things.